Once again, we send off my podcast to bring back movies from HBO Max and TV shows from the Netflix farm. Once again, I salute my Imperador, (laughs) Tenioso. I salute my half-paid-attention-to movie boys. Who will ride with me eternal on the highways of podcasting? I am your host. It is by my microphone you will rise from the ashes of these reviews. I think right. my my favorite uh, my favorite signature of our intros is me giggling in the background while you're being hilarious. Well, no, while I fuck up a line, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Are we gonna do it again? No, no. Like that's fuck it. That's the that's intro, true. ladies and gentlemen. We are live. That's Welcome the... to movies for motherfucking win. Your favorite that's the charm, podcast. Baby. Your favorite podcast. We don't give enough fucks to do two takes. We say that song every week. Every week we do this before we go on the air. We say, don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. One, two, three. Magical adventures. Best friends forever. We do this every week. Every week we do it, Greg. Can't believe we got it out of the way this early. All right, everybody. This is Movies for Win. (sighs) The podcast where we tell you movies for win something. This week, this is Movies for Win. You want to see cool practical effects. Or movies for when you like your effects to be practical. Titles are work in progress. So, Denny, we've already covered some pretty fantastic movies with fantastic practical effects on this podcast. Uh, when we were looking for suggestions for movies to do this week, I feel like the majority of the selections that people were coming up with were movies we already covered, namely yeah. The Thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, it shows how much we really do love this topic that we've already like <laughs> already done the best ones. <laughs> we've already done the best ones. We praised them specifically for you know those aspects too when we talked about them. So practical effects are our jam. So this week for practical effects, we are talking about a more modern example: Mad Max Fury Road. That was my selection. Denny selected Little Shop of Horrors. Well, that yeah, was my third selection. <laughs> yeah, Denny eventually selected Little Shop of Horrors after, you know, <laughs> some stuff was just simply not on the internet. Yeah. And then uh, the audience very smartly suggested and selected on our poll Total Recall. Oh, my God. What a treat watching that movie was. Oh, no kidding. Is. Yeah, we we love Arnold here on this podcast. That's that's just part of who we are, right? Yeah, no, he's unironic. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, especially when he's in an action sci-fi, and it doesn't get much more action sci-fi with Arnold than Total Recall. Like that's about as much as you can do, dude. Yeah, no kidding. This is not your jingle all the way. He's not appealing to kids this time. He's just blasting fucking aliens he and, says and fuck. space cops a couple times it's great yeah uh before we get into these practical effects movies denny what else did you get around to watching this week um i had a pretty good watch week i i watched what was my second pick originally i picked uh evil dead 2 then i put that on the poll and changed my pick to david cronenberg's naked lunch when I picked up a Criterion DVD on a whim at Movie Trading Co. 
um, I was watching it, and I was like, no, this is my pick for practical effects. There's so many stupid, good practical effects in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we found out it was impossible for Greg to watch it. So I changed. And if you're sad about Evil Dead 2... I got a feeling you won't be sad for long. No spoilers. Um, no spoilies. But, um, yeah, Naked Lunch was really good. Uh, I recommend that you know the backstory of the book it was based on before you watch it. Because you know how I am with my ending explained videos. And, of course, I needed an ending explained for this abstract-ass fucking noir beetle nightmare um, that was Naked Lunch. And... The story of the book and how it was written is also the story of the book, is also the story of the movie. Um, it's a real mind fuck. Um, but it's really cool. We got Beatles turning into typewriters and shit like that, all practical, all amazing. And I've literally <laughs> they really never. really turned into typewriters. I've never heard of this movie before, um, before a week ago. Never heard of it. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's just shy of a masterpiece. You know, it's like. Who Framed Roger Rabbit Meets the Fly. Uh, it's one of the oh. most, most unique movies I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, The Fly, another movie we've also already covered. Because yeah. I really, I would have loved to have talked about that one this week. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But we got to that like in the first couple weeks of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was like maybe number five or something. Yep. Um, I also watched Swiss Army Man from Daniels, the directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, starring Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe, and it was really good, and it honestly just felt like a practice run for Everything Everywhere All at Once. If, if you like that okay. movie, which, like, if you don't, I just assume you haven't seen it, because um, how could you not like that movie? Um, it, you, you see a very similar vibe and, like, a similar uh, similar visuals at a lot of points, Um and it just seemed like they were in the process of building up to the perfect movie, you know? So it, it they mm -hmm. Swiss Army Man walked so that Evelyn could do Pinky Kung Fu. Um, it was really good. Um, I went to a movie party at the Alamo Draft House and saw Pulp Fiction, one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I entered the twist competition and busted out my best Uma Thurman, and I got two free movie tickets. Um not to say I won. They gave it to oh. everyone who participated, but I'm still proud. <laughs> um, man, let me tell you, cool. Pulp Fiction on a big screen is an absolute blast. Um, and, uh, again, every time I watch the movie, I notice more. This time what I noticed most was set design because um, the screen's bigger and you can see that. And there's just so many nice little details that I really liked in the set design. Um, I also got a gift bag from Alamo Draft House as they give out at movie parties. I got candy cigarettes, a uh -huh. Z keychain that is now on my key ring for Zed. And who's Zed, you may he's, ask? Well, he's dead, baby. Zed's dead. He's um, dead. And I also got a coffee mug that says some serious gourmet shit on it, which is just so, so beautiful. Um, in accordance with me and Vanessa's movie list, uh, I watched Empire Records, and it fucking blows. Sorry, Gen X. That is one of the worst coming-of-age movies I've ever seen, and one of the worst generational movies I've ever seen. I know every generation has movies that they just love that don't stand the test of time, but this one is particularly bad, if you ask me. Um, hot. Sizzling hot takes. It's not a popular opinion, but that movie blows. Um, and I've also... Still watching The Good Place, still loving The Good Place, and I started uh, 
Solar Opposites. It had a new season drop this week, and so far it's really fun. Mm. Um, if Very you nice. like Rick and Morty, this is uh, Justin Roiland, one of the showrunners, uh, basically making Rick and Morty without all the hurdles of dealing with Dan Harmon. Um, and so it's pretty fun. <laughs> That's pretty nice. What all right. Um, yeah, right before we jumped on here, my wife and I finally got caught up and finished season three of Barry. Ooh. Damn can't wait for season four um this past weekend we got to the theaters and watched nope so yeah. now we're caught up with you what'd you think i really liked it i thought you would and i texted you a particular thought i had during the movie that i won't share with the audience but yeah i was watching a good idea i had get robbed of me in front of my eyes <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we also watched... I've got a lot of these, by the way. We dove into some Netflix movies. We watched the movie, I think, with my least favorite title ever. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Vile, and Evil. Ooh. That Ted Bundy, that Ted Bundy movie Ooh. with Zac Efron. I've never heard of it. Well, it's not good, so... It's probably <laughs> uh Yeah, it's a Netflix movie. It's not bad. I think his performance is fine. I really, I'm starting to really come around on Lily Collins. But I'm also still convinced that Lily Collins is a human in a Matrix situation where she's plugged into <laughs> the Netflix machine and she's being puppeteered in movies to the point where she says two times in a row, I think you should leave. She is a Netflix plant in the industry. <laughs> uh, we also watched a movie on Netflix called Purple Hearts. Yeah. The less said about that, the better. All right. <laughs> uh, you'll see. A character gets called a lib. It's terrific. Wow. Uh, we watched the Disney Plus movie, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Hey! We finally watched it. What'd you think? I thought it was fun. I, I had fun. Too. I wish that it, it's kind of like the Jonah Hill thing from like early 2010s where it's like, I like this guy, but I don't want him to be doing voice acting because I only hear him, and that's John Mulaney nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's just him. And, yeah, it wasn't, like... That role didn't require him, I don't think. It's I don't just... think either Chip or Dale really required Andy Samberg or John Mulaney. There, there wasn't no. anything that I felt like they uniquely brought to the table for those characters definitely not they brought star power and that's that's literally it yep. like i like john mulaney i like his stand-up a lot but like he's just got such a unique voice that like in big mouth and in the this it's just like oh that's him that's all i'm gonna think about now yeah annoying all right and lastly uh after watching nope i wanted to see more of steven yun so i watched Min the a24 film minari Ooh. which uh up was up for some oscars last year of course lost out to nomadland um it's a, it's a good movie i liked it but i think it's carried very much by the performances it is fantastically acted uh the character that the actress that plays the grandmother in that movie she won the oscar that year for supporting actor uh actress that's how they categorize it whatever mm -hmm. And I thought all the performances were very good. Our good friend Will Patton from uh, The Postman also delivers hey, a home run in that movie. All right. He's 
good to see him again. We but yeah, Steven Yun. Steven Yun. Uh, people know him from like, I guess obviously Nope, and then especially The Walking Dead. But he's he's a Korean actor, and I watched him in this, where he mainly primarily speaks Korean, and then the movie Burning, which I think you would really like, yeah. where he only speaks Korean. He's such a good actor. I really like him a lot. And then putting him in her roles where he speaks his native language, he just he really shines for me. Cool. So, good for him. Good movies. Nice. Don't watch Purple Hearts. All right. Um, <laughs> Hell of a watch list, yeah. Hell of a watch list, yeah. Uh, a lot longer than, yeah. And I still somehow managed to watch these movies, starting with my selection. Fury Mad Max Road. Fury Road. A 2015 film that you can watch on HBO Mad Max <laughs> Fury streaming service. Good one. That fruit was hanging so low, it was already on the ground. Well, so. I didn't see it, so it's smarter than me, I guess. <laughs> I tripped clever, as the British say. Good day, <laughs> mate. I'm British. Oh, Christ. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am from London. Enough about Sarah Marshall. All right. Uh, Denny, I already forgot her. Mad Max Fury Road. I'll, I'll summarize it for us, I guess, Please real do. quick here. Real quickly. Um, so, Act 1 for Mad Max Fury Road doesn't exist. So, Act 2. <laughs> we... Wait, he was standing by a car and he stepped on a bug. That's Act 1. Yeah, <laughs> The two-headed lizard, sir. So Sorry. it's a 45-second act one where he gets captured by some group of ne'er-do-wells at a town called the Citadel, where Morton Joe is in control of all the water. Grr, he's the Nestle of the Australian uh, <laughs> outback. But somehow that didn't sound as intimidating. <laughs> but yeah, once you see him, it, it is scary. <laughs> so Mad Max is a universal blood donor furiosa has kidnapped a morton joe's wives and breeding women because you know this is kind of the fucked up post-apocalyptic scenario we've gotten ourselves into she's making a supply run she's a trusted agent of a morton joe's and she betrays him and kidnaps the wives is driving across the desert and they're like hey wait a second she's veering off course they find the wives we're like oh no it's an escape mad max gets strapped to a car we chase Furiosa down, and we spend about an hour or so heading in this direction, being chased by various groups of gangs and baddies and people in all ki kinds of fun vehicles. And then we get to the place, the green place. It's not what we expected. No, it's not even And we decide green. it's barely even a place. <laughs> green and place by name only. <laughs> Mad Max becomes friends with Furiosa. Once they realize that there's no hope, they decide, hey, what if we turn right around? Everyone left the Citadel to come chase us. What if we just went right through them, took the Citadel for ourselves? And that's Act 3, where they drive back the way they came. Still being chased. Yep. Yep. Violence and ensues. <laughs> Max Rokotansky disappears into the crowd like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Credits roll, white hat disappears. It's great. <laughs> What's your relationship <laughs> with Fury Road, Greg? 
You let me know when those war boys stop screaming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my relationship. I saw this movie in theaters when it first came out. I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't really fall into the hype of it that it was getting. But it was fine. I thought it was a really fun watch. I think, and, you know, I've watched it every couple of years since. I expect to like it more than I do, and I like it pretty much the same every time. So watching it the other day, I think that was my fourth time watching it. I think I liked it a little bit more this this last go-around watching it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'll get into more about my feelings about it after you tell me your relationship with Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, so I definitely missed the party when it came out in, what, 2011? Um, 2015. 2015. Fuck, what year is it? Um yeah, I, it's twenty, I, <laughs> Denny. It's twenty twenty eight. Get with it. Sorry, feel old yet? Mm-hmm. Remember Denny and Greg? This is them now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, I hadn't seen the rest of the Mad Max movies, so I didn't see it. And everyone was like, "It is the single greatest action movie ever made." What do you mean you haven't seen it? Um, and then, uh, enemy of the show, Davis Kauk saw it for cheap. Um, and already owned it, but he was like, I can't, I must give this gift to someone. So he bought me a copy of it. And, um, a couple of years ago, I agreed to watch the entire Mad Max franchise in one day. Um, cool. If enough people, uh, gave to charity. And let me tell you, I do not like the Mad Max franchise. Uh, Road Warrior is okay. The first one in Thunderdome fucking suck and they're all pretty boring and really overrated and haven't aged well. Um, and by the time we got to Fury Road, I was like half-assed day drunk, half-assed day hungover. Um, and I was, I was really not in a good mood. Um, I could tell that it was a good movie, but I was like, just super not feeling it in the fourth movie of the day when I didn't like the first three, you know, I was super Mm -hmm. over it. So my second time watching it was last night. And, I was also not in a very good mood last night, as it turns out, and really didn't didn't want to watch it, but it it won me over. I actually ended up raising my Critiker score a little bit, um, because I I really liked it. It's a really good movie. Uh, I do think overhyped, but not to say that hype wasn't warranted, because it is really good, but like, um, I don't know why people sucked its dick so fucking hard, but I would have sucked it a little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure, man. I I hadn't seen, and I still have not seen any of the other Mad Max movies. Don't so worry about I it. I can't I can't speak to the other ones. Like I thought about watching. Um, what was the second one again? Road Warrior. Road Warrior. I thought about watching it this week, but yeah, I decided to watch <laughs> Purple Hearts instead. Uh, <laughs> that was a wife decision. Honestly, Road Warrior sounds better than that. Uh, I bet it is. So, I'll give us the uh, Reno review, the Will Reno one-line review. Those dudes looked like me trying to eat a funnel cake at the state fair on a windy day. Jesus fucking Christ, Will. (laughs) Will's movie reviews are the funniest shit I've ever read. They're, They're not very frequent, but they are pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, this movie doesn't really have a first act, and I will say as someone that hasn't seen the rest of the 
franchise. Like, I don't know how we've got a a legacy sequel that doesn't really have any establishing dialogue or voiceover, anything like that. And also, <laughs> like, gives no um, backstory to the original movies that is still so easy to get invested into the world. Like, this movie does very little hand-holding, and even if you haven't seen the other movies, you're just like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get everything that's happening, and I really appreciate that here, where it was just like, we've built this world, you're just in it now. We don't have to tell you every single thing about it. We don't have to expand on every possible piece of lore. Yeah. We've just got to, like, have characters say a couple of lines every now and then to tell you how things kind of are in this world. I don't need to know why it's called guzzling and not gasoline. I can just connect the dots. I can fill that in yeah. with my head. Well, like, what say you about the world building? No, yeah, it, it's something I actually love about it is how bare bones they kept it. Um, like we never even <clears throat> we never even see the citadel. You know, like they never even like let us get to the promised land. We see the outside and we see water falling, but we don't see really a good look at where all the rich people are living. Right, like. It's just like a couple of rooms, but yeah. just like Joe's stuff, really. Yeah. No, but his things. <clears throat> I'm I sorry, they're not it. things. Sorry. Well, kind of. To him, they are. Um, yeah, there you go. No, but apparently, it's just the reason it is this way is because George Miller was like, "Fuck off! You can't touch this franchise unless you just let me do whatever I want." Um, and he waited him out long enough. <laughs> And they let him do whatever he wanted. I love it, man. It's not what a legacy sequel should be. It's probably the best legacy sequel ever by a long shot. It's like... He he waited them out and also it just... It was stuck in development hell for years. <laughs> like, he's been... He's had this movie, like, storyboarded since the 90s or something like that. Yeah. And if you... There's a blank check podcast episode about this movie because they cover all the George Miller movies including Happy Feet um, <laughs> and they talk about like all the production pitfalls that this ran into it was just like they had to hold off year after year after year and you know it was recast and then they shot it production itself was hell and I think this is just a a crazy person's uh vision and yes. creative <laughs> it's like it's it's all in here how am i going to get it out of here yeah and that's through the magic of editing and post-production mm -hmm. this this movie won a lot of oscars for it didn't win cinematography but it won like costume design sound design sound mixing uh editing as well like it was technically crazy that this movie works as well as it did given all the complications and problems i think you know i i think i mentioned before how much i dislike really glaringly obvious adr mm -hmm. voiceover when it's just like and it happens a lot with um with max himself yeah where he's just like tom hardy is just like saying a line and it just sounds like he's leaning really close into the microphone here it doesn't even He's sound like, like they tried to blend it right yeah it's stuff like that i think is what kind of takes me out 
more than anything, but I still recognize like how <laughs> uh, the creative hands that were on this thing were very masterful. Yeah, in almost every aspect. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie despite being in a desert wasteland you know like it's like Mm -hmm. a very pretty movie um especially in their nighttime sequences and i I just couldn't help but thinking i couldn't help but think that is that mad max fury road is basically the movie that kevin costner thinks the postman is oh nice (laughs) this is what he thinks he made Um, and it's it's super badass and it's awesome and uh it has a feminist critique to it i don't know if costner thinks he did that or not but um my one of my biggest you know notes for it and i I think it's this this may be why there is no first act which i think is is a is a really good move because two hours is a long time to spend in a world that is this intense would you agree i would definitely agree yes this one was it was a lot to sustain that level of urgency and adrenaline for that amount of time. Because it really is like, with the exception of a couple of moments, it's like a two-hour action scene. <laughs> like, it really is. Yeah. Like, every once in a while you have to slow down and establish different stakes because stuff kind of changes. Mm-hmm. But it's the movie and the story and, like, the characters are constantly on the move they only stop like the one time and because they're constantly on the move new obstacles are presented in motion because you know there's the impending (laughs) there's the impending uh war party behind them and then they run into a new group that they're like okay just everyone stay out of sight we're like creating tension here with tension also behind us like it's it's really cool and and yeah exactly i don't want to spend another 30 minutes here we're top-notch pacing on this thing well this is one of the most uh measured movies i've ever seen like everything that they did um, all right nick yeah you know it that was on purpose (laughs) um but like nobody speaks unless it's absolutely necessary and nobody speaks more words than needed to be spoken. You know, like, this is a movie that is just no wasted motion throughout. If it wasn't absolutely crucial, they just didn't do it. Even if it was, like, the use of a preposition. There's just a lot of, like, mm-hmm. gesturing and... No. Hold up. A lot of uh, a lot of eye contact and nodding. Yes! Yes! <laughs> and that's good enough, honestly. Yeah. No, it worked, and it, it was very different and very cool. And, like, honestly... The other Mad Max movies are nothing like this other than they have, like, weird junkyard cars running around. Um, <laughs> like, like, we do love our junkyard cars. The vibe is just so different in, in all the other movies. And this movie, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It might just be money and, like, 20 years of prep. But George Miller figured out how to make a good-ass Mad Max movie pretty late in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I think this movie also has Day for Night that rivals the quality of Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You know Nope was shot Day for Night? I um, did not know I, that. I didn't know that until I saw a tweet about it. I was like, holy shit. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's very impressive. Just made me like Nope more. Yeah, the, the color, <laughs> like, 
there's there's a black and chrome version of this movie where it's just you know the same movie but in black and white mm-hmm. but i don't see why i would ever watch that oh i because totally like the cut i don't i don't think it adds anything i don't know maybe i'll check it out sometime but you clearly just like missed the, the message about how chrome is cool i don't think that theme it, landed with you they didn't make everything shiny they made it <laughs> it's a black and white movie denny it's not actually chrome <laughs> sorry to break it to you uh, well, yeah, like the color correction on this color correction or whatever you call it on this it's color correction right sure yes color grading what is it color Coloring? correction yeah yeah that's the term. color correction thank you leaving me hanging don't say yeah sure i know you know the term <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All can, right. Can uh, I give you a tidbit, or did you have something? Yeah, tid tid my bits, please. So, did you know that rictus erectus is not only Ooh. the name of my penis, but okay. Uh, so, no, moving no, no, that's on. Not, that's not, um, <laughs> it's even more niche to my interest. <laughs> um, is so, the is the actor a wrestler? Yes, um, Nathan Jones, who spent yeah. a significant amount of time in solitary confinement and was a former on-screen protege of The Undertaker. I was there yeah. at WrestleMania 19 when he kicked the air twice and a guy fell over. Um, they must have been very powerful kicks. Oh, wait. He actually sucked a lot at wrestling, but boy, did he look like a wrestler. I'll never take that <laughs> away from him. <laughs> oh, good old Nathan. Nathan Jones, interesting cat. I just thought it, it was like halfway through my second watch of this movie when I was like, wait a tick. <laughs> Hold up. Oh, wait, I do remember someone saying he was in this movie. And he had a pretty prominent role and he did really good. Yeah, man. He had a baby brother. Yeah. It was perfect in every way. <laughs> that was so uh, <laughs> wailing to the sky. I had a baby brother. I had a baby brother. <laughs> so <laughs> weird. It's such a weird choice but it works dude there's a lot of weird dialogue choices that i'm like not at all mad at i guess i don't know how that's to, like what how to all it. of like, my list of favorite lines are or a couple really weird dialogue choices who are my favorite parts of the movie there um, are plenty but yeah it, it's not to the point where it takes me out of it in any way yeah uh, but you know what did take me out of it grandma's mm. on dirt bikes what a weird reveal <laughs> Oh no! I liked it. They were sweet little dirt bike grandmas. Yeah, they could shoot. No, they could shoot. Boy, could they! Mm. Um, I, I read I read an article late uh, a while ago oh, called "Brag like, About It." Uh, it was, Denny can read. Okay, yeah. I skimmed an article. <laughs> <laughs> I read a headline, whatever. But it was all about how um, it, it was a theory that a lot of like toxically masculine people have what the article called a maternal wound um, meaning that they didn't have very loving mothers so they never learned how to nurture and be nurtured Um, and we only look at like the male side of that dynamic but there's like um, what it would view as like a failing of a feminine role in someone's life and I thought this was a very heal the maternal wound movie like especially at the end when uh, our boy Max is just uh he has learned comfort from from women. He has learned gentleness and tenderness, and he's given it back to Furiosa in what he thinks are probably her final moments. I, I I thought it was, it added another layer of depth to a movie that was very very surface level. 
Yeah, for sure. Everything around the Furiosa, Furio, <laughs> Charlie's Theron character. That <laughs> Charlie's Theron. Yeah, I think. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, it, she added a lot of depth to this movie. I thought she was awesome. Yes. She looked cool as fuck with her prosthetic arm. Her truck is cool. Her weapons are cool. Face paint, very cool. Her face paint's cool. Oh god, she's awesome. It's good to have. You know, she's kind of the real action star of the movie. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think it's really weird that the movie starts with the voiceover from Tom Hardy saying, "My name is Max." And it ends with him finally telling Furiosa his name. And it's just like, okay, well, we already knew that. Yeah. It's the title It's the title of the movie. Should you really be the title character now that I think about it? That's kind of where I got <laughs> a little sidetracked with the finale. But Well, yeah, that's like, a, it, it's kind of, a, we were talking in the group chat with our, our, our compatriots from We're Watching about how this would have been a pretty cool pick for the Chicks Rock episode. And Alexi mm-hmm. was like, yeah, what really stopped me was that it's mostly about a man. And I was like, on this watch through, I was like, I know Max is the main character technically, but I really mm-hmm. feel like this movie is about Furiosa. Like Max is just kind of there with his own goals that he never really accomplishes or explains, you know, like he seems like he's going to ditch him a couple times but for fucking what, right? Like, not like we give a shit. This movie yeah. really like, it didn't even need Max in it. Um, the story is all about Furiosa, and it's just a Mad Max movie, so Max has to be there. Yeah, most definitely. But, like, you know, he he does kind of bridge. He's kind of the audience vessel. He does bridge a lot of characters together yeah. through the eyes of, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, and I don't care. I just want to survive kind of guy. That's what he yeah. says in the opening also, like, just mankind is reduced to one instinct survival or whatever and that's pretty easy to connect to but then like why are you the title character maybe that's so we recognize the ip and you know pay pay money to go see it maybe it started out with him more as the focus and kind of transitioned to furiosa i don't really know but yeah i'll i'll watch tom hardy in a silent film i love watching that dude act so even if he's not the principal character, I'll I'll still be happy to just watch him do literally anything. I think he's great. I agree. I have never seen a bad Tom Hardy performance, and honestly, something that friend of the show Troy Stewart has said about uh, about Leo's Oscar win when he finally got it for The Revenant, um, Troy was like, mm. "Yeah, that was that was during this year too." Oh, was it that the was, same year? God, what it a was year. those Oscars. Yeah, what a year for Mr. Hardy because when, and. He was nominated for that movie, too, but not this one. Honestly, his performance was better in that movie, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. But Troy would say, like, you can't win Best Actor if if Tom Hardy outshone you in the movie you got Best Actor for. <laughs> 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 and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Kind of love seeing Leo finally get the big one, but uh, good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good point the revenant a movie that i watched once and that's all that's ever gonna happen same (laughs) is anyone still talking about it no is it cool that they used all natural lighting yes yeah but you only need to see it once to get the picture (laughs) 
stuff is good about it, but I don't need to revisit those things. Yeah. So. Yeah, and definitely not the best Leo performance of his career. I'll say that, but not a bad. It's a good performance, but I'm like, holy yeah, shit, have you not. guys seen the fucking Departed? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh man, I love, I like that movie a lot too. Yeah, um. So, since we're talking about so many other movies, you ready to get into gimmicks? I was for thinking Mad Max? the same thing. We're on the same page, yeah. Furiosa Road. Yep. Uh, oh, that's what it should have been called. Right. All right, Denny. Uh, witness me. We've got a new gimmick this week, buddy. Yes. It is uh, the gimmick of the week. What is it? What is it? What do we got? It is the tricked my brain moment. Um, it's basically your favorite practical effect, or the one that you thought was the most amazing. Um. Greg, do you have a tricked my brain moment for the hashtag gimmick of the week? That's a real hashtag, folks. Uh, I sure do. I mean, of course, you know, all these vehicles are real. We've got like Cirque du Soleil stuntmen. We've got hundred, like over a hundred coordinated stunt actors all on screen here, riding on tops of cars, hanging off moving vehicles real vehicles all that shit it's all amazing but you know we can't really have a giant guitar double neck that's shooting fire out of it right (laughs) guess what bitch that is a 132 pound metal prop that really shoots fire holy fuck and it is (laughs) being wielded by another none other than the doof warrior that's his real name. He has a Wikipedia page. And George Miller wanted to make a comic book series about him. I'd read it. He's a, he sold his soul and like lost his vision. And now he's, he is the, uh, <laughs> he's the mobile bad guy music for Morton Joe. So fucking cool. It's, but it's a real guitar that really shoots fire. It's oh, like over 130 pounds and it's being like held up by bungee cords. Wow. Essentially. So we, that guy can wow. carry it and play it fucking awesome i mean that technically should be my tricked my brain moment because it tricked my brain so well i didn't even realize it <laughs> yeah you see you don't even think about it you're just like ah another cool it's, thing i, I was know. just refer- very i was just very real thing. guitar gimp hey that's a good one that's a good thing for him. i didn't know the backstory yeah we all gotta pay a little more love to the doof warrior yeah um well this was such it's it's a weird one to lead with for my gimmick of the week um simply because like which we barely even talked about they did they did all the effects practical in this movie and boy did they build some cool shit um Mm -hmm. you know um but yet most of it wasn't meant to like be a creature you know like they built amazing trucks and they really built them you know (laughs) like it like Mm -hmm. so it it was weird for me to say like things like the rig tricked my brain um i'll give a runner-up to the tricked my mouth moment when they were drinking breast milk that looked as delicious as cow milk and it made me want cookies um but i think i'm actually going to give it to something that i don't really think was a practical effect but i don't know um it's that first big dust storm when they're when they're driving in the first chase um it looked so fucking good i couldn't figure out how the fuck they did that um it was just very beautiful but i could give it to a lot of things i could apparently i should have given it to the doof warrior um or day for night but they snuck those right by me (laughs) so i'm gonna go for that big ass dust cloud that i was like i mean it has to be cgi but cgi doesn't look this awesome i see cgi all the time it sucks um 
It's probably <laughs> if it is CGI, I'll bet it's like the only CGI thing. So maybe it's like illegal for me to give it my gimmick of the week. But um, that was the thing that my brain had the most trouble understanding because I understand why I want to drink breast milk. I get that. It's one of the first things I ever drank, um, and the last thing I drank before this podcast. But the cloud, I don't know. How, I don't so, understand it at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clouds I'm lost on, but we all get that. Um, yeah, man. Just watching all those cars and trucks smash into each other and fall apart just does something for your brain. They were exploding like Lego cars. Like, there were just parts flying everywhere, steering wheels. Like, it looked like the Lego movie when one of their master builder cars gets blown up. It was insane. <laughs> and, and I loved it. Uh, Denny, what was your favorite line? Um, from mfr oh man it's so hard to pick um i want to give a runner-up but i don't want to steal yours i feel like we probably picked similar ones okay i I doubt it other than witness me which is just an awesome line every time they say it um i'll Mm -hmm. give my runner-up to you will ride eternal shiny and chrome (laughs) which was just so awesome uh my number one is you're sitting on 2000 horsepower of nitro boosted war machine (laughs) which is just such a fucking movie thing to say (laughs) so badass oh that fucking rocks what about you what you got (laughs) it's just some cool shit i went with more world establishing immortan joe line from his speech do not, my friends, become addicted to water. <laughs> what a cruel bastard. And, oh my god, maybe he really believes those things. It's just spilling all over the place, man. <laughs> Barely anybody gets any. There's People are bringing, like, laundry baskets with holes in them. Yeah, they, They're not collecting any water. They wasted a lot of water for a world that was so out of water. It's <laughs> just, like, dumping <laughs> it everywhere when they do it. Ah. <sighs> Denny, what'd you give this one as a score on the old Critiker page? I bumped it up from a 40 to a 42 because I really thought... Um, okay. I thought the role of women in this movie upped it from, you know, something a little more substantial than I initially really gave it credit for. Um, also, not being uh, half-day drunk, half-day hungover really helped my enjoyment of the movie. And I also just appreciate that, like, this is basically the only evidence we have and probably will ever have of, like what an 80s or 90s action movie would look like with modern uh hd cameras you know like uh, like how clean and crisp everything would look um so that that just gives it an extra little point because they went the extra mile on every little thing they could yeah same level of you know gumption and ambition creativity and a little bit of insanity just with higher def cameras yes exactly pretty sick (laughs) pretty slick um I'm kind of in a, like I mentioned in our Back to the Future Part 2 review, I think I'm enjoying it more than I'm loving it. I don't really have any sort of connection at all to any of the characters. Like, I I like Furiosa, but I'm just kind of like watching her do things and not really caring too much about her or really anybody else. And I feel like that's kind of on me a little bit, but I gave this one a 30 out of 40 i i feel validated by your takes and your score because 
I felt like maybe I was just weird for not like giving this a 50 like you know like because uh, it just didn't hit me the same as it seemed to hit other people but I did enjoy yeah. it and so did you right like we both liked it a lot but there's it's yeah there's it could have used a little more depth just a little but it also shouldn't have had any because then it wouldn't be this movie like, it, it just it was impossible to make impossibly difficult and it still turned out this good i really appreciate the artistry and like all the technical aspects of this movie yeah. but i just don't really feel any sort of deep connection with it or any anything deeper than i like watching the cool things happen with the cool music yeah so I, I don't feel like either of us is really into post-apocalyptic movies in general. I, don't, I just don't feel like it's either of our thing. Little shop, little shop, shop of horrors, little shop, little seamless edit. Little shop of horrors, we're here to do it. And I am your synopsis man, Denny Taylor, coming to you live from KS... KID or whatever the John Candy radio station was. Kiss Kid? <laughs> Kiss Kid. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, K Skid. It's short for Marks. K Skid Marks. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we got there. Synopsis of the movie, which I believe. Well, hold on. Hold on. Little Shop of Horrors is a 1986 film that you can watch for free on Tubi. Oh, damn. That's it. I think I rented it. Oh shoot! No, it was free on the end uh, the uh, the other site, buddy. Like an amateur. Um, wow. I Rookie. Um, so, Little Shop of Horrors is a comedy sci-fi horror musical starring uh, Rick Moranis and the guy Ooh. from the Four Tops as the voice of Audrey too. Um, it is <laughs> uh, so basically. Uh, we we are in uh, a plant shop in Skid Row, a very poor neighborhood where everyone's sad about how poor they are all the time. So sad they've just got to sing about it. Um, mm -hmm. Rick Moranis, a.k.a. Seymour, is kind of a perennial screw-up who really likes plants. One day, uh, he decides to racistly buy a mysterious plant from uh, a, a Chinese plant shop owner. Um, yeah. Very, very gremlins of them to do. Um, and, uh, that plant turns out to actually be an alien that only eats blood, but it grants you wishes. Um, and he basically makes a, the plant named after Audrey, who's in an abusive relationship with, uh, Steve Martin, the dentist. Um, it makes the shop famous, God. but, uh, and it keeps growing and it talks and then Seymour has to feed it blood, but eventually it wants more than just drops of blood. It wants to eat whole people. It starts uh, abusing poor Seymour. Um, and then Audrey falls in love with him, and they're going to skip town. And then they're like, no, we can't skip town. We've got to kill this alien. Um, and then they do. And then they go to the picket fence house that Audrey has always dreamed of. And wouldn't you know it, sitting right outside their picket fence, there's a little baby Audrey plant. Because could that be Audrey three? Um, Greg, what's your relationship with Little Shop of Horrors? Oh man, I'm so happy we picked this one, man. Yes, I was worried. <laughs> I was worried. No, 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 no. Uh, you you did give me fair warning that this was a musical. So yeah, my relationship I is as I much had. As you do. I had never seen it 
and I had honestly like maybe heard of it a little. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Rick Moranis was in it. I didn't know it was a musical. I didn't know Frank Oz made it, aka Yoda. You know, a guy that was Gonzo the Great, a long time a director and um, participant on the Muppets. He yeah. puppeteered a lot, voice acted a lot. Hell of a fucking guy. This is this is the perfect non Muppet Muppet movie. Yes. This feels like he wanted to make a more adult Muppet movie, but we can't, like... You can't have Kermit feeding Rizzo to a giant plant. (laughs) So... (laughs) We gotta sub in some humans and then add in some swear words. And it's a really cool vibe. It it vibes like a Muppet movie. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of taking over. So what's, what's your relationship there with this one? Um, I've, I've seen this movie a lot. Um, weirdly enough, I watched it a lot in my early twenties and by my late twenties, I didn't remember it that well. So I really Hmm. wanted to watch it again. And this is when it became a special movie to me. Um, it was at a time when I managed a sober living and I was on call pretty much 24 seven for shenanigans at that sober living. And, uh, on a night when I was finally going to check this off me and Vanessa's movie list, I was about halfway through. Um, And I dealt with what was probably the most hellish scenario um, in my entire time working there. Uh, If not, no, it was number one. I was I was there till like 2 a.m. And it took me like two hours when I came back to calm down. Um, And all I wanted to do that whole time was just watch a little shop of horrors, you know, like so this movie became you had to you had to live a little shop of yes yes um not to be insensitive no (laughs) it was it was a little shop of horrors that night not every night but Mm -hmm. that night holy shit what a special night in my life um so this movie became like like seriously like an avatar of comfort like a light at the end of the tunnel and so because Mm -hmm. of that even though i'd seen it a bunch before that it felt like i was watching it for the first time and uh this week was the first time i've watched it since then um i love it i'm a big fan of little shop man it's a great great movie um and it's basically a musical that makes fun of musicals and i think that's why uh you and i love it because we both hate musicals and this movie kind of seems like it loves and hates musicals at the same time it's very tongue-in-cheek about the genre and it's got like just this personality and sense of humor it's just like yeah, usually you want to make fun of something, you do like a dumber version of it. Yeah. But the songs are the songs are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like cuz this is basically like a Muppets adjacent production, mm-hmm. so the songs are all absolute bangers. Mm-hmm. That's what's so cool and it's just like we don't like musicals. I'll I'll speak for myself actually. I don't like musicals because you know, especially when there's one that has a narrative like it's just kind of distracts from the narrative yeah. and it's just like i i don't connect with them in any way whatsoever i i think generally they're just a bunch of distracting songs in the middle of like a mediocre story yeah and then in the case of cats a bunch of <laughs> mediocre songs in the middle of no story which <laughs> we found out was even worse so yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, what I, what I usually don't like about them is I feel like they're asking me to feel so deeply about something that is usually very superficial. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, no, I don't feel the way you want me to feel about what's happening right now because most of the time it felt like you were just trying to write a story to get to the next song. I didn't, you know, I didn't really invest. Yeah. And, and when when it's actually told in this really fantastical kind of environment of just like even the poor people are singing like that song that skid row song if you replaced all of the people with muppets i would have been like this is 100 percent a muppet movie yeah muppets take lower manhattan <laughs> um, <laughs> or whatever i don't know if that's a poor area of the city i don't give a shit um but yeah like when it's just kind of a sillier narrative, the songs aren't distracting. They're just part of the experience. This yeah. movie's more of an experience. But, like, I still do kind of care, care about the characters a little bit. Yeah. I, I like Seymour. I love Rick Moranis. This is our first movie of his, I think. I think you're right. I don't think he has made an appearance on Movies for Win yet. That's a real shame. I guess we'll have to cover the Flintstones here pretty soon. Oh, honestly, uh, we should. I love that movie really i do too okay yes oh, All right. shit. Uh, later i yeah i wore out that vhs tape but yeah uh rick moranis he was just on a trajectory for all-star level actor mm-hmm. but just decided to call it quits and just be with his family and i i respect him so much nothing but respect he's he just seems like a genuinely awesome guy and then movies like this he just comes across the same way just he's given this character of kind of a a timid guy that really cares a lot mm-hmm. to the point where he will he will murder for for love and fame <laughs> hold well, on this is all unraveling <laughs> well that's the beauty of it right is it's like they're telling you this very basic movie st- or very basic musical story which by the way i love that the chorus heckles the movie um, I would be so much more down with musicals if the chorus just like mocked the play the whole time and like heckled the actors. But then they're doing all these classic songs like Suddenly Seymour and uh, Audrey's song about like living the American dream or whatever. And they're mm-hmm. asking you to feel back when that still existed. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and they're asking you to feel good about murder. <laughs> like they're asking you to like think it's sentimental and uh but also it just has this very very sinister aura to it like audrey too is like funny and tells jokes and says bad words but is like pure evil like it's like audrey too Mm -hmm. is creepy like really creepy like actually kind of scary yeah and i guess that's where we'll start talking about the practical effects of this thing yes it's just like first of all overarching thing for this episode these are practical effects but i feel like we picked three different movies that have very different types of practical effects when we when we think of the thing it's like prosthetics and like close-up and kind of gore oh my god the thing is the best practical effects movie ever but we get a little bit of that in total recall with some of the prosthetics and some of the set design little shop of horrors is like puppeteering and like forced perspective yeah it's so fucking good at that and then like mad max like i said more on this side of like stunt work and uh just like awesome um construction of like the vehicles and everything yeah yeah like uh, establishing a real world 
and these this one in Total Recall kind of selling us on a fantasy world. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. in this one, it's it's the puppeteering of Audrey Two and the force perspective of making it look gigantic. That's just like this is cool as books. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. Um, I, this is something that I just, I can never get enough of and can never stop being amazed with, you know? And, like, I think it shows, because, like, this is a, a Frank Oz passion project. It's a, it's technically a remake of, like, a 1950s sci-fi. And yeah. then they had the, the off-off-Broadway thing in the credits. Like, they clearly fought for this. And I, I, I'm assuming that the stage show got a lot of buzz because like this has Christopher Guest, Steve Martin, John Candy, Bill Murray, and Jim Belushi all doing bit parts and all clearly balls to the wall, excited to be there. It just seems like everybody Mm -hmm. in comedy wanted a piece of this movie. Like those are all a list people. This is like the pop star, never stop, never stop. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of thing. It's just like, no, we want to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had Jim Belushi in my notes that he's, you know, kind of spicing up his resume with this movie so he can get featured in Abraxas. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> there you go. Wait, is Jim no, Belushi in Abraxas? Yeah, he was the uh, high school principal, and then he married the lead actress in that movie. Remember our discussion on that? I don't remember it being Jim Belushi. Yeah, that was him. He married the lead actress from Abraxas. They were married for like a year and a half. Wait, wait, wait. But he played the principal too? Yeah, he was in it for like two minutes. I remember the principal scene, but I don't think I ever connected that it's that it's Jim Belushi. Here I am looking right at my sealed VHS copy of Abraxas and clearly being a fucking casual, Greg. Well, break it open, buddy, no. and fast forward oh. to 20 minutes in. and Don't you dare. Hit pause. Don't you dare. Don't yet. Don't you dare break that seal right now. <laughs> We're recording, Denny. Um, dude, I I gotta admit a couple things. I wasn't really... I loved the intro song I was in on. I was like, this fucking rocks. This yeah. intro song is great. For the first 20 or so minutes, the movie was really losing me. Um... I just, I didn't really know where we were going. I knew it was going to go somewhere, but in the moment, I wasn't really, like, feeling it. I was not jiving with Audrey at all. She was she was a very annoying, olive oil-esque character. Yeah, I, I just, it was not clicking with me. I don't know if it was, like, a different time or whatever, but she, she just didn't do it for me. I, I think she's supposed to be a caricature of, like, a 1950s woman which is a caricature of an actual woman so it's like mm-hmm. a caricature of a caricature and then it's like a hat on a hat right like it's it's just yeah. a little a little too dialed up despite this being a very dialed up movie yeah when you're double dipping your sarcasm it just kind of gets lost on me a little yeah. but yeah the intention was there and it worked but you know it didn't mean i enjoyed it but the movie turns right the fuck around Mm-mm. when Steve Martin enters oh. the scene. I saw his name in the credits, so I knew he was coming. I did not expect him to be this fucking magnetic. He Dude. was awesome. 
I looked over at Vanessa, and this is something I'll say when I watch Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, but I looked over at her and I was like, every word he says feels like he was born to say it. Like, mm. holy shit. Like, and, and that's an example of like, I mean, he's dialed up maybe even more than Audrey, but for some reason it just works for him. You know, like, it's just, mm-hmm. God, damn, was he good in this movie? The the sadomasochistic sociopathic dentist and the scene with Bill Murray and his song and <laughs> his silhouette and he's so fucking good. It's like it might be Steve Martin's best performance, and I don't say that lightly. Steve Martin is a goddamn living legend, but like mm-hmm. this is probably my favorite performance of his. It would be up there for me, and. I don't know if you were planning on asking me this later, but his song is my favorite song in the movie. Yeah, same. Uh, I might go with uh, Suddenly I might go with the big that. finale, but Be a okay, Dentist yeah. is... I'll bet I've listened to Be a Dentist most. I, I don't know. Like I, This is like, I actually listen to these songs like for fun. That's how much I like this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I love when he like hops... <laughs> it's like his gimmick. He rides the motorcycle, jumps off while it's still moving... And, like, the the motorcycle stops itself, like, a couple feet later and, like, stays standing. It's such a nothing fucking joke, but his, like, arm motions just sell it so fucking well. It's so funny. He also enters the frame from, like, 20 feet in the air. <laughs> it's so funny. He just, like, is flying out of nowhere into an alley. Like, it looks like he, like, rode off a roof across the Dude. street. <laughs> He, he's got like the comedic vibe of a magician that throws a smoke bomb and then like nothing happens but he's like <laughs> <laughs> still like right <laughs> you like that smoke just everything he does he's like what'd you say <laughs> dude uh, and then like capping off his character he dresses up like rictus erectus <laughs> With his laughing gas <laughs> get up. <laughs> I can't believe we got two of those in one week. What a coincidence. George Miller's stole from Little Shop of Horrors in his design of Rictus Erectus from Steve Martin's character with his laughing gas backpack nose rig. Oh, I mean, so fucking funny. Dexter I saw that I was like, oh my god. Character. <laughs> You'd like really? to cause people pain, so find a way to use it for the benefit of society. Be a dentist. Be a s- serial killer detective. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't watch that. It was Dexter. a blood spatter analyst. Um, <laughs> that that show falls off the rails. Um, so that's why I've never watched it. Yeah, just watch season one. It's a good time. Okay. So, all right. Anyways, back on this. I've got Surprise, be a stuck in my head now. Be a dentist. Oh, Glad I uh, implanted that. I don't. I don't really have any more notes. I just it it had its ups and downs with me, but I loved the overall tone and vibe. I think it's a delight to watch. Yeah, and I would I would watch this one again, dude. I'm I'm always down to watch this movie. It's one you could throw on at any time for me. Um, man, it, it's it's. I just want to sit and gush, but I, I don't really have anything interesting to say about it. You know, like I, I, I think uh, the chorus is a really underrated part because they're carrying a lot of numbers. Um, mm. And 
You know who I just realized I really liked? Those those kids that like Yeah, like they, they they had a really funny joke about how they like dropped out in the middle they like finished fifth grade and dropped out of school and they're like the tough tough to handle kids. But then they're like emotionally supportive, like she should leave him. Yeah. Like, they're so cool. I really like those kids. I don't I agree. I don't know why they clicked with me so well. <laughs> um so I loved the premise of John Candy's radio show because I would totally watch an hour-long weekly program that was an open invitation to the residents of the area to come show me whatever weird stuff you have. <laughs> like, yeah. that, would be to- that would be the best show ever, man. <laughs> it's, it's tricky to make it a radio show, but I do, I do like, you know, the, the idea behind it. And well, I, I didn't like say I'd listen it. to it. I said I'd watch it. You know, like, uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, it you was did. just like, this week we're in Atlanta, and we ask all the Atlanta residents, come show me a weird thing you've got. <laughs> I would totally watch it. I won't spoil the show Atlanta, but someone's showing up with an alligator they got in the house. Um, <laughs> season two. Ooh. So, uh, are you ready to get into gimmicks? I don't really have much on this one. It sounds like we just have been singing its praises yeah so, yeah so. I, it's such a good movie that i i kind of want to find an excuse to talk about it longer um and yet like it, it's it's just it's not really got a lot of depth or substance to it it's just like praise praise for how well they did and uh man i i will say i, I do want to give credit to like Bill Murray, his whole shtick is seeming like he doesn't want to be there, right? Um, mm-hmm. He seemed delighted to be tortured in this movie. You know, like, it was nice to see <laughs> Bill Murray with so much energy. I feel like that's something you don't really get from him a lot. So mm-hmm. that was a fun little a little Bill Murray treat. And, uh, dude, I don't know why this is... I, I am this way. There is something so comforting and awe-inspiring to me about a cityscape set... You know, like yeah. a city that was built really well to look like a city, complete with like um, erosion and debris and scuff marks, and yet I can tell it's a set. There's just something so peaceful about that to me, and you get that like pretty much this whole movie. I, I just I miss it. It's a big part of what I call the new line feel um, from '80s new line cinema movies. Um, this is definitely not new line cinema, but like you know, like it's. <laughs> It's just it's just a nice little thing I want to compliment the movie for. You, you it's, never it's, see it anymore. It's something we called out in our Muppet Christmas Carol discussion. Mm-hmm. It's just like we loved the city set, but I think we also enjoyed like the size difference of like the people and yeah. mice and all the big and small puppets and everything. I th- I think this definitely had a more human and more gritty vibe, but still that same effort and like comfort that you're talking about. Yeah. So that that was that was cool to see. I for whatever reason it's like watching like a sit, a TV sitcom and like a car drives through the scene and you're like how do they get that fucking thing inside? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's got it's got that feeling like cars shouldn't be here. <laughs> well this this and this is a good segue into gimmicks because this movie has just an infinite supply of something that is a dead phrase and a dead concept which is movie magic remember how much we heard that term growing up movie magic Mm, when's the mm -hmm. last time you heard someone say it 
our podcast lots. Right, right, yeah, but like yeah. <laughs> we we say it often. But there's there's no magic left to movies because it's all CGI and we know how it's done. You know, like we know that like oh, you overworked a bunch of people who were really passionate about this and underpaid them and they worked really hard on computers to render a computer landscape, but it's like you know, you look at cuz I was like there were certain shots with Audrey 2 that I was like, okay, so I'm pretty sure they shot Rick Moranis with just a vine wrapping around his arm. And Audrey 2 is green screened in and there's like 17 people puppeteering it. But they're all edited out. You know, like I, I was just like, there was so much that I was like, okay, I can tell they didn't just point a camera at this. But I don't intuitively know how they did it. And uh, mm-hmm. I just love there's, that. There's... Yeah, there's more to this than there's a plant and a guy, but I don't know what that other stuff is. Right, which is a <laughs> you know, great... Like, that's why I was saying, I think it's like forced perspective and probably just like one or two puppeteers, but, you know, I didn't make the movie. What the fuck do I know? I feel like there had to be like three or four puppeteers just on the lips. Like, they moved so, like, with so much dexterity. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a or good Or it's segue. a real plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, what's your uh, trick to my... Who's going to go first? Oh, my God. Who's going to uh, be? You are. Okay. You are, Danny. What is your tricked your brain moment? Tricked my brain moment? Tricked your brain moment? Um, for some reason, I wrote when Audrey was trying to eat ass at the radio station, um, but I'm not going to go with that. Um, <laughs> I remember that part, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, when they're at the dentist, when they did that really gross Tarantino trunk shot from the interior of a mouth. Um <sighs> Was, I almost put that. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, It's like for two seconds. And I can't imagine the work that went into like the two seconds of that shot. Because like the teeth just look insane and gross and yeah. nasty. And the inside of the mouth, that person is singing the song too. Oh, so the mouth right. is moving with the song. But we're seeing it from inside the mouth, watching like Steve Martin and like a, another nurse or something like singing the other parts. Can you imagine? And they're like the singing work, all together. The work that went into that for like I was a like, quick holy little thing. Shit. Quick little tiny it, it, thing. It got a holy shit out of me. That's for sure. Yeah. What about you? Nice pick. Um, I picked mine pretty early on. It's when Audrey Two first gets like a few drops of blood from Rick Moranis in the basement. And at first, you know, we just keep this plant in a little coffee can. And I just really loved, like, okay, good night, Audrey, too. And then we saw this. We see the plant start to grow, and it's, like, punching out, like, it's expanding the coffee can from inside. And it's just, like, it feels like it's really warping metal. But it's just, like, a little puppet the size of, you know, my hand, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't know how they did it, but it looked awesome. There's a smaller effect on a like a big scale effect kind of movie, but like it's a detail that I really liked. Very nice. What is your favorite line? I had a lot to pick from, man. Yeah. Uh, I I was thinking of maybe a song lyric, but I I went with uh, Rick Moranis uh, talking to Audrey and just praising their boss of the uh, the plant shop. He took me out of the skid row home for boys when I was just a little tyke. Gave me a warm place to stay, floors to sweep, and toilets to clean, and every other Sunday off. (laughs) I loved it. 
Oh, same man, same. So gen, it's just so genuine. Right, Rick Moranis. I miss him. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Um, I've got a runner you? up with Bill Murray's. It's your professionalism that I respect while he's getting tortured. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to go with uh, a line that just made me, like, just stop and reflect on what an awesome movie I was watching. And it's in the final number. It's it's like the title of the song. It's Audrey 2 mm-hmm. singing, I'm just a mean green mother from outer space and I'm bad. And I was just like, God, <laughs> this is just so fucking cool. This movie's so fucking cool um so I'll, I'll go with that mean green mother from outer space and i'm bad baby yeah i i love the puppets like oh this is kind of like a light-hearted muppet movie right nah this puppet says tough titty and no shit sherlock gonna bust your balls and then says that he's a bigger badass than frankenstein and king kong it's awesome oh we love it we do love it uh what's your critic or score gregoru well, man, uh, I do like this one a lot more than I was expecting, uh, especially since you said it was a musical. I still had some issues with like the first bit there, but I was overall sold on the vibes. On a second watch, I might go a little bit higher, but for now I have it at a 29 Ooh, out of 40, little which is still well above passing. That's a little over a 7 out of 10, but yeah. It's not traditionally a movie I would go for, but I still enjoyed myself very, mm-hmm. very much. Um, I I was a little bit higher on it. I gave it a 45 out of 50, which is me saying, yes. I think this is in the category of best movies ever made. I really do. I think it's up there in the best of the best, especially like comedies with heart and soul and production value. Um this is just creme de la creme for me. I'm a big Little Shop of Horrors guy. Beautiful movie. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how much you love it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, I just want to I want to take back so many things that I said. I want to recall just everything. Let me just recall that. Let me give a total recall on this and just state that this is a seamless edit. Thank you, Greg. Oh, man. The people have spoken, Denny. They have. You're welcome, by the way. Total Recall was our audience selection. We've been doing those third lately. Usually we save the better movies for the third in this episode. So the audience has done it once again. They've been on fire. Thank you all for voting. Uh, we almost had RoboCop, who, which was... I think that was also directed by... Uh, Paul Verhoeven. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we could have had Pan's Labyrinth. That was we got in the close lead there. for the longest time. It really was. I thought we were going to be doing that Me one. Me too. Um, we also missed out on the Blob, um, but what we've got today, of course, is Total Recall, 1990 film. And if you've got HBO Max, you're going to love us this week because this movie is also there. Yes. You can also watch the remake, but like we said with Point Break. Why would you do that to yourself? If you love Um, yourself, you can just watch the original. If you don't love yourself, there's a great remake for you. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luckily, we've got Arnold here, folks. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll summarize this one for us real quick. Uh, I forgot all the character names. Quaid, Hauser. Quaid, thanks. Uh, That's the only one I needed. Doug Quaid wakes up one day somewhere in the future 
and he's deciding, you know what? I feel like I haven't really done anything with my life. I keep having this dream where there's this other woman and we're on Mars and we die uh, falling off the side of a mountain and our helmets crack and our faces explode in a very cool way. He doesn't say that, but I do. <laughs> He's feeling like there's something missing in his life and he goes to recall with a K instead of a C the company that will implant memories of a vacation or a different life into your head so you can look back fondly on those memories. And uh, Quaid, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, decides, you know what, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna fulfill my dream. I'm gonna implant memories of a vacation to Mars. But you know what? I want myself to be a secret agent, a spy, an action hero. So the procedure begins, but he wakes himself up. He's having manic episodes, schizophrenic episodes, breaks out of the chair during the procedure. He's convinced he's a secret agent. How did you find me? And he is chased by Michael Ironside. And, oh my God, everyone he thought was his friends, all his relationships are all false. He is now the secret agent. And the question during the whole movie is this the dream? Is this the memory being implanted? Or is this his reality that uh, these this massive Mars corporation was trying to cover up? It's a very interesting psychological sci-fi action thriller that I liked a good deal. Uh, then they go to Mars and some other stuff happens. Danny, what's your relationship with Total Recall? Um, it was on my list either the first or second year that Vanessa and I started doing this. I was really poor and I rented it from the library and watched it at Enemy of the Show, Davis Kauk and Morgan Watts' house. Morgan's a friend of the show, though. Um, yeah. And uh, Not that other asshole. Yeah, I watched it without them there <laughs> at their house because we were feeding their dogs. Oh. And... Uh, thought they deserved to have some some people to hang out with for a few hours so me and vanessa went to their house when they weren't home and watched a movie um and i've, I've seen it a couple times since then I've, I've always really liked it this is this is uh this is one of my happy place movies what about you i i had never actually seen this movie oh and shit. yeah this was your first watch yeah first watch through Whoa. watched it to today for oh, the first time oh my god i'm so excited and in a sense, I'm kind of glad. You know, you know, it's kind of a thing on this podcast where I haven't seen most classic movies or ones that you would expect somebody with a movie pad podcast to have watched. You know, yeah. but kind of looking. Yo, oh, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, didn't grow up on the Gen X stuff. Sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, Empire man. I, Sorry, go on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> I won't be watching Empire Records. So, yeah, man. It's just like... I, I'm glad I watched it now with the lens of being how old I am and just like what I'm looking for in a movie. You know, like as a kid, you're like, I want the, you know, big action sequences and the big sets and all the crazy makeup and all that stuff and then like you reach a certain age where you're like oh i'm actually more mature i want deeper thinking and drama and 
thematically heavy movies and then at a certain point you're like the curve com- makes its way back down you're like no i actually want to enjoy shit like that some more. yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm hitting this movie at the right point where it's just like ah, i just want to enjoy a cool thing that a lot of people worked very hard on yes. and that's what i got here man say what you want about this movie but it it takes itself just the right amount of seriously you know if, if it was any more serious faced yeah. it would be lame if it were any less serious faced it would be shitty you know like it, it's just like it hits that sweet spot of knowing what it is and fully leaning into what it is without making a mockery of itself uh, and I, I just can't believe they pulled it off man yeah me neither um i this this story is so have you seen the david fincher movie the game no with um shoot michael douglas i think that's that is that right anyways yeah it it reminds me a lot of that where or a game night Mm -hmm. more recent movie where it's just like is the story that i'm being told actually what's going on and that's kind of the through line question during the whole movie is what i'm being shown really happening or is it not and i think that makes this a lot more fun because there's always that little question in the back of your mind during this movie where it's like is quaid really dreaming still like is this part of the memory implant or is this the life as he perceives to be very very real what's your take um I don't think it matters. Yeah. Because, yeah, spoilers for this 32-year-old movie that some of us haven't seen until literally today. Uh, (laughs) They don't tell you if this was the memory implant or if this was Quaid's real life. And if they didn't tell us, then I have to assume it didn't matter. The journey got us to a destination. I don't really, you know, it's the inception thing, right? It's just like, oh, but was it a dream? I don't want to rack my brain and figure it out. I don't want to analyze all the details. I just want to be like, no, we told you this cool story. Go home. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of. That's how I feel. But I, I think by the end of it, I, I didn't think that was that it was anything but his real life i was fully bought into this being his real journey and you know it's like i'm worried you know arnold tells uh melina hey i don't know if this is even my life this might all be a dream and she says well you better kiss me before you wake up they kiss and then there's like a bright light in the sky and then the credits roll so it could be like the um what's his face the guy in charge of this this corporation saying like if you do this and release all this oxygen into the atmosphere like the planet will explode or whatever i forget how he says it so it could be that happening too Mm. there's a couple things that could be going on here so i don't know yeah i I would agree with you that it doesn't really matter um if i had to break it down i lean towards it really happened for this reason there's at least two scenes that don't have quaid in them Um, that wouldn't be something that he could experience through his memory. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that makes me think it it probably really happened, at least as far as, like, I'm concerned, because I'm like, if we're we're only seeing Quaid's uh, Quaid's made-up world 
why would we see stuff Quaid doesn't know about? I I had that thought when we were like with Michael Ironside's character in one of the cars. Yeah. Right? It's just like well, why would this even be here if it wasn't part of, you know, Quaid's perspective of what was going on? So I'm I'm glad we kind of had the same thought yeah. there. And again, I don't think that is ironclad. You know, like I don't think that like proves it so to speak. That's just the direction I lean in if you ask me to come up with an answer, but again, the answer is completely irrelevant to me to the point that like I remember one time in the group chat, uh Joseph was like he was asking us what our theories on it were and I was like theories on what? You know, <laughs> like I just I'd never I'd never <laughs> put much thought into it. I was just like, I don't know. I, it's a cool movie, man. You know, like that's that's just what I walked away from it with from my first couple of watches. Yeah, it's kind of like how I feel about the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is um sorry, holy shit, what's his name? Childs McReady. Yeah, is is Childs a an alien or is he the thing at the end? And you know, there's a couple little keys to kind of point the direction that he probably is, but at the end of it it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it was the experience along the way, it, all that all that business. Mm-hmm. So I feel kind of the same here, where it's just like, I could be made to believe one thing, and I'm okay with, you know, if someone, if like, you know, the writer or director definitively comes out and says, no, it's actually this thing, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. Sure. It, again, I don't think it, it lessens or increases the movie either way. I think it works equally good both ways. So, as you initially said, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because they get to play around with a little bit of mindfuckery no matter what, right? Like, that's that's the mm-hmm. real point, is you don't know, I suppose. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather concentrate on this fantastic sci-fi world that we've built. Yeah. And it, it's something you talked about in uh, Back to the Future Part 2. It's just like, even, like, you know, back in 1987 or whatever, people's visions of the future is still analog just bigger yes (laughs) yes it's it's the same thing in this like a sea or i love like this 80s and 90s idea of the future still being like crt televisions but like they're the wall now like and it's like what are we and we we laugh at that like over the span of 10 15 years that all flipped on its head but like what are we not anticipating in this current age of like digital technology I mean, it's impossible to know because, like, you can clearly see from these movies that there was their brains didn't understand the idea of digital. You know, they didn't see that as a potential progression. They couldn't see the technology that they had turning into the technology that we have. They just couldn't imagine that. Yeah, the the imagination is cab drivers will obviously be robots, (laughs) Uh. and they'll be like. Because that's such a 90s thing with, like, the gaudiness and the kitschiness of it. You know, like, that. Like, there's no reason to make a robot cab driver if you have a self-driving car. But that's something that, like, people in the 90s would have wanted. You know? <laughs> like, they would have mm-hmm. expected that there would be, like, a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic in the front of anything that was self-automated. Because <laughs> that's what I, was oh impressive about technology to them, right? <laughs> like... 
but i will say like the voice response to navigation and directions is is accurate (laughs) just drive please repeat the name of your destination motherfucker just go while we're on Uh, the subject don't swear at me they blew that thing up for absolutely no reason dude (laughs) just blew it up i haven't I have a note that says Johnny Cab doesn't get paid and is therefore programmed to commit suicide. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's 38 credits. Well, you didn't pay me. Sue I guess me. I got to drive into this wall and explode. <laughs> Sue me. Oh, God. So good. Man. Oh. So on the note of money, um, which something like, I, first of all, I'm just delighted to have gotten things that I love in multiple movies this week cityscape sets Mm. analog futures and anti-capitalist messages you see it in fury road very uh very brazenly you see it in Mm -hmm. uh a little bit in little shop of horrors not as nakedly this is another anti-capitalist movie it's just all about how like hoarding resources that people need to live and selling them for profit is bad and you shouldn't be allowed to Mm -hmm. do it um i think that gives total recall a dimension of being kind of punk rock that really takes it to the next level and very very on brand for Verhoeven. he's always satirizing something right yeah most definitely oh it's it's crazy like we, we talk about the maybe slightly outdated technology and everything but like some like the social satires are still very relevant yeah nothing 32 years later they got that part right (laughs) they might not have figured out iphones they thought we were going to live in a jetsons future but (laughs) boy did they understand that capitalism was only getting worse (laughs) oh my god oh excuse me i i don't know i i had no idea what to expect of this movie i knew it was going to be an action movie with a lot of like prosthetics and like interesting sets the action sequences i really loved yeah and there every single action scene just about is like initiated with a on foot chase scene and it's it just got it got increasingly hilarious to me all the chase scenes where arnold and the agents chasing after him are just pushing people out of the way just get out of the way and like shoving people to the ground off the escalator it just got funnier and funnier as the movie <laughs> went. That they're just like running through crowds of people and knocking them to the floor it's so fucking funny it never stopped well i'm like that's the thing this movie should come off as cheesy but it just knows mm-hmm. what it is so well and it, it comes back to something i've been saying for a while that like I don't think 90s action gets enough credit for being as meta and self-aware as it is. Because, like, they Mm -hmm. fully know what an action movie is and what the tropes are by the 90s. And it's gotten less self-aware since then. They're basically spoofing action movies in every action movie that gets made in the 1990s. And Total Recall is no different. Yeah, most definitely. And... (laughs) like it knows what it is doesn't it takes itself as seriously as it needs to it's just it's writing this very cool story and just like also having genuine fun with it yeah kind of like you were saying with the tone of the action of it knows knows exactly what it is yeah um something that we got a little tiny taste of that i wish there was just more of in the universe is 
when when Arnold is Hauser and revealing that he's evil, I was like, man, mm-hmm. I want to see a movie where Arnold is an evil sociopath. Um, it was just for like a minute that we got to see him being like a real sinister asshole. And it was so mm-hmm. good that I was like, between that minute and Terminator, the man's an underrated heel. Like, he really is. Like, he was so beloved oh, yeah. and such like a money, white meat, do no wrong good guy. But like, man, I wish we got to see more evil Arnold. I just think, I think there's money left on the table there. What say you? Oh, for sure. And I'm glad we got it with Terminator. But yeah, I, I want to see a little bit of a more sinister kind of evil yeah. like we got here. It's just like, thanks for playing along. We tricked you. Yep. Kind of like, now you're going to be me and there's nothing you can do about it kind of shit. Yep. It's just like, you know, in the kids movies he's in, he's just got kind of this, not necessarily intimidating, but like charming, but with a lot of muscle behind mm-hmm. it like you better like me or else kind of feel (laughs) and i feel like that could really play to like a maniacal bad guy oh yeah he he feels more like a a piece in a bad guy puzzle more like a like a a smaller chess piece rather than like the chess master but you know just give him give him a little bit more runway and a little more um sinister characteristics and i think it'd be be really good yeah like i i think that little clip had such homelander vibes to it you know that it made me Ooh, nice it made me want to see uh he's marketed as good but he's actually evil arnold right like gov- wait home homelander's the bad guy well i don't want to spoil the boys but well i actually haven't ha, seen ha, ha. all of season three so please don't spoil the boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> That's a joke for you when you finish the show. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We've talked so much about that this episode. It has to stop. I love breast milk. I love it. I got it. You know, it's like Quentin Tarantino needed to make at least four <laughs> movies to tell us that he likes the 70s and westerns. Oh, I thought you were going to say the N-word. Oh, well, no. he. Oh, likes the N-word. I didn't think you were going to say a slur oh yeah no please continue he just did one bet interview to let us know that he likes the n-word um, but, um yeah no i i have to make at least four movies to really get across how much i like breast milk so there was this one part <laughs> where um yeah anyways i I didn't have anything (laughs) back to breast milk it is (laughs) i had it okay no no no. the guy on the escalator the guy on the escalator yeah they uh you know they're chasing him and they're like oh no ever get out of the way and they start shooting him and arnold just holds up some poor innocent bystander and uses him as a human shield and he gets shot like 80 times yeah that's when i was sold on the action tone of this movie i was thinking of a rick and morty line in that which was uh ladies and gentlemen the michael jordan of human shielding like (laughs) it's unbelievable (laughs) how good he was at that (laughs) um it just stayed so upright i i felt that arnold got a little bit exploited uh in the construction scene because i was like 
they made him use a jackhammer just so we could watch his biceps jiggle um and boy did they jiggle that was a great scene boy boy oh boy like man it seems like anybody of any strength can or weight class can operate these yeah <laughs> maybe i'd be better served somewhere else no we want to watch you do this did it uh it's pretty awesome did it bother you that his brain bug could apparently emit a signal through a human skull but not through a wet towel <laughs> Hmm. it didn't but it does now (laughs) little 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 bitty baby plot hole not not a big deal uh (laughs) at a certain point it was like it felt like a series of pranks right (laughs) yeah like hey because i was like you know because you're still in the back of your head like what if this is part of the memory implants and i was like okay arnold now we need you to put a wet towel around your (laughs) head and run around and steal briefcases from an old lady do the chicken dance gonna... dude did he just put a drill up his nose holy <laughs> shit he fucking did it oh my god he actually did that oh that scene was fucking disturbing when he's yanking that thing out of his nose dude we just check it we just got him to blow up a mountain on mars oh, fuck. he fell for it <laughs> awesome was the reveal of quato it was amazing fucking rad right i had i had ninja turtles in my head when that started happening right some krang vibes oh yeah was it and then that uh was it mortal kombat ferritor or whatever like i had yeah whatever it's just i thought it was so cool and then the voice of it so awesome oh open your mind to me he said that like 40 times it was times really cool I, I, I liked it i did too i did too it's a it was a runner-up for a favorite line for me like open your open mind, mind. <laughs> fucking cool that was rad it's like i like that nobody knows what he looks like i thought for sure that meant that it was going to get revealed that it was like a character that we had met already nope it was a mutated baby bjorn <laughs> baby bjorn <laughs> with four fingers on each hand blurry eyes and saying open your mind to me <sighs> sounding like a frank from donnie darko <laughs> your quanto and your frank impression are pretty similar and they both work <laughs> <laughs> now you know what planet he lives on burn it to the ground um yeah man what else what else do we got for total recall but man i don't have a ton other than i loved all the mutant shit um honestly yeah uh, it, it's just a cool movie man kind of like little shop I, I don't really have a lot of critiques yeah no I, I don't really either like you know to fit with the theme here with the practical effects and everything and all these movies being so different of like what practical effects can do how they can be used how they can sell um a scene or a character in some way this is kind of the more classic feel where where it's like prosthetics and set design nice and schlocky just the way i like them what i think is so special about this one is like it's got cool body prosthetics Mm -hmm. it's got very 
cool set design and it seems like the intention is we're going to build all these cool things and we're going to destroy them also we're going to run vehicles through these walls we're going to cut off these limbs we're going to shoot these people oh it is all built to be destroyed yes. i think that's so awesome yes. man i'm i'm crazy about it um it's satisfying yeah what do you think should we hit gimmicks what say you i'm down for that yeah cool man it is a uh, time for an early bedtime it is I guys say. i don't know if y'all can tell but early greg and i are very tired this week and the, these movies have excited me um and and brought me up but we're, we're a couple sleepy boys it's like 9 58 p.m and we're like oh, oh that's how cool. dude we've been like up till midnight just like full energy like what about this part in toy story 4 (laughs) Uh, (laughs) man i just i just i ran out of guzzling this week i'm not gonna lie same honestly it's like i look at the week and it hasn't even been that hard but it has been really long and i'm very very tired (sighs) very taxing for really no reason that's the american dream baby hey Um, man i wish we could just release the oxygen supply so we wouldn't all have to do this anymore greg oh i thought you were gonna say i wish we could trick my brain with something else i I am tricking my brain with psychoactive (laughs) medications into making it easier for me to work (laughs) i'm tricking it with alcohol i do that yeah dude (laughs) (laughs) i dabble uh denny what is your tricked my brain moment well for total recall i have to give a runner up to the tricked my penis moment of the triple boobs that i wanted to squeeze um i bought it and guess who's got a new fetish guess who's got a new fetish let's google it on the bus um but, um my trick my brain my moment, moment dude I got to go with what is on the Thai Total Recall poster uh, to my left in this room right now, which is when um, the, the, the lady disguise uh, morphs back into Arnold, uh, like, pyramid alien ship style. Um, when, you know, like, her head breaks into, like, little mm-hmm. bars and splits apart. I was just like, holy shit, so this good. is the coolest fucking thing. I was so in love with that scene, so... That's my that's my tricked my brain moment. What about you? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I had a runner up, which was our cab driver Barry. His I knew you were gonna pick that one, so I avoided it. But Barry <laughs> nice. Barry unscrewing his hand and then like that prawn from District Nine oh, arm coming out so of his sleeve. Good. You're a mutant, huh? I thought that was so well done because it, it looked like a human hand like uh, like uncut scene of just like him moving his hand around and then unscrewing it and then having another arm pop out i thought that was so cool but um i think my f- my actual winner here is kind of what i was saying like building all these sets just to knock them down and destroy them it's those like excavator vehicles that are just like gigantic drill bits busting down the walls in the hideout yeah. it's just this giant red clay wall it's just so satisfying when they just bust and knock out these walls it's so cool they're just like ripping apart this set that i'm sure took people hours and hours to build and i'm like this is fucking great 
Yeah, dude. It, you love to see stuff get smashed. You just do, especially when it's by, like, sci-fi war machines. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I like the sci-fi war machines to get smashed, like in Mad Max, and other times I like for them to smash things like little strip club cantinas. Yeah. Um. These cars are insane. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> well, we got doors that go up. Um. Before Ugh. we do favorite line, I actually I wanted to mention something because I thought of you um, because I couldn't help but Aww. notice I thought of my boy Greg and I thought to myself, he got two extended rolling down a hill scenes <laughs> and boy were they extended. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Shit. <laughs> Is there a better Greg movie than one with two long hill rolling scenes and no dead dogs like that's that's a greg special if i yeah. ever saw one yeah unfortunately nobody was getting any sort of band back together in any way whatsoever um the mutants did they got the band we... back together because quaid was part oh. of the band they actually did get the band so. back together in this movie fred better quaid <laughs> greg's like i like it <laughs> quickly raising his critical actually. score <laughs> I gotta My create God, a new tier. To, I gotta create a new tier to allow a forty-one 41. out of forty, and <laughs> it does exist. The forty-one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, what's your favorite line, Greg? <sighs> All right. Well, I had one runner-up, and it was you know Arnold taking the briefcase from that old lady. It's like, no, it's mine. It's not for me. Yeah your name on it and he finally takes it from her and she says fuck you asshole <laughs> and like that line is good but then it's accompanied with arnold just like walking backwards away from her and giving this delicate yes! little bow it's perfect there's something that's so it's perfect there's something so evergreen about a grandma dropping the heavy hitter cuss words you know like the the, the yeah. big ones there's something it's been done mm -hmm. a million times and i've never gotten tired of it but my favorite one is a one-liner which i love getting from us sharon stone gets shot and arnold says consider that a divorce <laughs> crisp clean beautiful perfect no notes uh i've got two runners up uh one is a moment of jarring capitalism the least organic product oh. placement i've ever seen i'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes he said on mars in the climax of a movie <laughs> um <laughs> he did say that so like who has a that's insane cornflakes <laughs> at a scheduled time <laughs> i'll be home in time for cornflakes i'm always late for cornflakes but today i'll be home on time for them it's an evolution of British culture when they decide to get a little bit more sophisticated instead of tea, it's cornflakes. British people. Grow up, England. Eating cornflakes out of a teacup four times a day. <laughs> Their pinkies up, just stirring it in a little cup. Uh, my other runner-up is best mind fuck yet. Arnold just, like, sneaks it in there. Uh, it's mm -hmm. really good. Um, but I'm also going to go with a great one-liner because the the... The worse they are, the better they are. Screw oh, you! As he's <laughs> screwing into a person with a giant uh, drill. <laughs> a giant drill? He's big as screw Screw you. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the absolute fucking goat of this shit, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just doing Arnold things. You love to see it. You love to see we it. We do. Absolutely. So we already know Greg gave this a 41. I'll just do No, Greg, what's your critic or score? Okay, oh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> it's a 42. Uh, the real one, <laughs> I, I like this movie. I didn't expect to be so engaged with the story. It might be one of my favorite Arnold movies. I gotta, I don't, I gotta really think on my ranking of the ones I've seen. But I gave this one a thirty-two out of forty. Mm-hmm. Nice, very yeah. nice. Um, weirdly enough, for as much as I love this movie, I lowered it. But that, I think I just had it so high um, because of recency bias, which I am known for. Um, I just get excited. Uh, I get real excited. I had this at a 46, and it's not that good. Um, so I <laughs> dropped it down to a 43, which, as I've often said, is a place for my absolute favorite movies that have a special place in my heart. 43 out of 50. Very nice. <sighs> we did it, we man. We did it. Another win filled with movies. Now... You wondered when you wow. watch them, and we told you when. We already told you. Fuck, no. Wait, not yet. Um, <laughs> That's, wow, wow, wow. You, like, fucked up in three different ways. Uh, <laughs> that's what they keep telling me. <laughs> I always fuck up in three. No, threes. that's your fucked up in three different ways. That's true. Denny, <laughs> I have three comorbid what is... mental disorders. <laughs> ah, mm. nice. Those are, like, Pokemon gym badges. Yeah, speaking of Pokemon gym badges, I'm surprised the electric attack worked so well against the grass type in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> uh, yeah, usually those are just, you know, standard damage. Yeah, it's just standard. Uh, maybe he's partially a flying type. He didn't evolve that far yet. Uh, Denny, what's the best movie for when you like your effects to be practical? Oh. It would be it would be the thing if we were covering it's it this week. It's the best one ever. It's not even close. Um, yeah. Uh, this is hard it is i don't i don't think i have a choice either i'm i'm choosing between uh total recall and fury road and little shop of horrors yeah same um (laughs) man they that's the thing is as you've already said they're very apples and oranges in terms of what kinds of effects they use so it's hard to compare and that was intentional though yeah yeah i i really wanted three different kinds of practical effects to be represented here and now i'm just kind of stuck with like well which one's the best i would have to say total recall just because it like so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that as my pick just because we get the body prosthetics and like really good like gore and blood and everything Mm -hmm. mixed with very very detailed and um <laughs> destructible set designs yeah. and like props and cars and vehicles and like just these these worlds are built and destroyed so well with characters that are so interesting and like sold to me visually mm-hmm. in such a unique way yeah i think i'm also gonna go with total recall which i do think this is the most we've deliberated like which is the winner um and this is this is my rationale. I think when I th- when you say practical effects to me, I'm gonna think of what was used in Total Recall. Whereas like they, they all have fantastic effects, but it's like 
and Fury Road, you could kind of lump it in as production design. Um, in Little Shop, you could call it puppeteering, which I feel like is something that's kind of a different category too. Mm-hmm. But when you just say pure practical effects, I'm going to think of the kind of stuff you see in Total Recall. So I'm also going to go with Total Recall. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. That's where I'm landing. Yep. So there you have Yay. it. Total Recall. The audience does it again. We are one with the people. And the people are one with us. Yep. Wow. You guys are so smart and cool and good at voting. God damn. They're great. Please, please, please listen to us in future polls. Too. I'm gonna let them vote again this week. Well, they didn't listen to us this week. They, I, I tried to sway it for Evil Dead too, uh, and I'm, I'm glad because uh, I was. I think we have a better idea, but they're gonna have to wait. It's good for them to wait. I, I was kind of pulling for RoboCop, but you know, I'll, I'll take this any day. I think I, I was. I was pleasantly surprised. I was hoping RoboCop didn't win because, like. While the effects are really good in, in RoboCop, I don't feel like they're as like fantastical as some of the other options, like Pan's Labyrinth or, or Total Recall. Hmm. I did I did text mm-hmm. the group chat and tell Joseph and Chris to vote for Total Recall, but that's that's literally just because neither of them has Facebook, and uh, and Joseph is always asking us to do Total Recall. So I, I felt like that that yeah. wasn't uh, that wasn't padding the vote per se. That was two guys who wouldn't have known about the poll that would have wanted to vote. It's like. <laughs> Hey, we have a poll with Total Recall in it. I did tell them Here's to, the to take down Pan's Labyrinth, but that was only because I watched it really recently, like really, really recently, yeah. and I just I wanted something a little more fresh. But I rated Pan's Labyrinth higher than any movie we covered on this episode, so we'll have to do that one day. Uh, we'll get it one day. I still haven't seen it. Um, it man. It's really good. Well, Denny, I'm, I'm sad to say I'm not going to be here. Aww next week i'll miss you very very upsetting we we wanted to rush out another episode but generally this this podcast gets recorded thursday night and then friday morning like before work i'll edit it and get it uploaded and everything but next week i'm leaving wednesday for a flight denny has plans on tuesday so we would have to watch three movies and record on monday and we're adults and, and our weekends aren't shapeless voids of movie watching <laughs> <laughs> as much as we want them to be so yeah next week is going to be what a solo episode with you and Vanessa? I, I haven't confirmed this with her but i've already volunteered her for it so i don't know who knows maybe we'll get another clusterfuck <laughs> if, if vanessa doesn't want to do it yeah, who knows? I mean, there, uh, there yeah. will be another clusterfuck. It's it's just probably oh, there will not be. this week, but uh, I think I think we're teasing a lot of fun things. I, I think we got a lot of fun things to tease. There are so many fun things in the pipeline that we can't even like mention their existence. Mm-hmm. God, I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. But next week is an absolute wild card, though. So. Uh stay tuned we're gonna do uh we're gonna do movies for me and vanessa's list and because uh, we're a little bit we we already did this year movies for when you're starting your annual movie list uh next week's gonna be movies for when you're behind on your annual movie list and uh nice. just because i like the yeah. audience so much i'm gonna let them vote again <laughs> that's yeah that's i'll just idea. let them vote well you know what fuck it we'll do uh top three top three picks audience can pick them all next week yeah, just like a top three out of what's remaining on yeah, your list. Yeah, because I'll be picking all the options, so I feel like that's only fair. 
Yeah, that's perfect. That's very cool. Uh, keep an eye out for that boat, guys. Woo! It's probably going to get posted uh, within a day of you listening yeah! to this. So yeah! Get go. on Facebook. Uh, yeah. He said unironically and sadly. <laughs> what is this, 2008? You guys should really try this Facebook <laughs> thing. It won't undermine democracy in any way. Denny, uh... <laughs> Oh, buddy. I, I I just got a I got a song in my heart that I need to get out. Yes. If you don't mind, please, Denny. I'd like to share it with you. Please. And I need your participation. Because I need a little shop. Little shop a catchphrase. Little shop. Little shop a catchphrase. Hit me. For Greg Work, the Legwork Johnson. I'm Denny, the talent tailor. And this has been... Movies for when? We already told you when. But you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? See you in two weeks, Greg! I had a baby catchphrase. He was perfect in every way. I had a policeman. He had a perfect badge in every way. (laughs) 